This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time or is this the start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and just want to dive in, then of course, don't let us stop you. Here at GSI, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. You like to think of yourself as a little bit of an Instagram influencer, a little bit of a (laughs) social media personality. And uh, today we're joined by the owner of one of the fastest growing social media accounts uh, on Instagram. So I'm sure you're going to be picking his brains and trying to figure out a thing or two to blow up your personal page. Absolutely. It is our pleasure to welcome the co-founder of The Daily Oz, Sam Kozlowski. Sam, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I never quite think about myself as an influencer just yet because my face isn't out there selling um, different cosmetics, but (laughs) I'm headed in that direction. Nice. Well, we're looking forward to the Daily Oz makeup set. But um, yes, there is no doubt that uh, the, the platform that you're building for young Australians to capture you know, news in a, in a more engaging and meaningful way is, is very, uh, I guess, inspiring for us to see. You're growing at a phenomenal rate and um, love to see the journey that you're on. And we're going to unpack that in a little bit. But what we're going to do today, more importantly, is actually discuss probably something that you're not talking about through the Daily Oz, and that's your investing journey. Not at all. This is a first for me. This is me opening up the uh, Sam Kozlowski School of Investments. So (laughs) this will be fun. This will be great. Well, if we see a Sam Kozlowski uh, School of Investing Instagram, we'll get very worried over here. (laughs) I think you can go to jail for that type of stuff, but we'll see how we go. So we always like to start with a true or false game to crack some of the myths about investing that, you know, all the community members here at GSI often face. So, Ren, if we want to kick off um, and then we'll get stuck into the interview. Yeah, let's do it. So, Sam, uh, we like to throw out some statements, uh, get your get your thoughts on whether they're true or false for your personal investing journey. So, we'll start at the very beginning. Uh, true or false, your very first investment has been your most successful. 
Big false. The first investment I made was, I think, one of the big four banks, and I sold it a couple of years later for exactly what I bought it for and didn't really understand what the big fuss was about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still don't understand what the big fuss is about. But <laughs> true or false, you had a strategy in place before you started investing. Half true. I, my strategy was to listen to my dad. That was, that was my cold hard strategy. So it wasn't totally random, but it certainly wasn't what we talk about when we talk about strategy today. True or false, uh, investing is as hard as you thought it would be. Another half one. It's not as hard technologically as I thought it would be. Uh, I, I, now that I'm used to how the systems work and how to place an order, I get it. It's hard to understand whether something has value or not. Yeah. I think we will certainly be unpacking that in a bit. I know a lot of people often find that uh, getting through that, which broker should I be using? How do I place an order is often a challenging part. But once you get through that, yeah, no doubt that figuring out what to invest in is is the difficult part. Uh, And then to close out, Sam, true or false, investing is like gambling. True, guys. It it can't. Yeah, because, (laughs) because there's no such thing as a sure win. And and if there was, it would be really, really easy. Um, but we know that investing is tricky. And so it's, it's like gambling in that way that you can't guarantee the result. But it's not like gambling in other ways, such as the fact that it's not about luck and it's not about kind of dynamics outside of, of your control and analysis. You can understand the decisions you're making. But at the end of the day, you know, if... Um, I have a I have a friend who invested a long time ago in a company that did on the spot flu tests and all of a sudden in 2021 he finds himself the owner of a stock that has the US government contract for rapid coronavirus tests. Mm. Now, that's a gamble. That that was never no one could have foreseen that. So mm. he's done really well and he's he's won that gamble. Um but there's a certain element of fate and luck about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make make some valid points. I'm glad you, you know, came to the conclusion that it's not like casino gambling, though. <laughs> God no, God no. But it's all it's humbling. It's humbling to remember that you can have the, you know, you can have the best advice behind you, and you can have an absolute expert in your corner. Um, but sometimes it just doesn't go to plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's that's an element of kind of chance that that I associate with gambling. Um, mm. But it's definitely not, you know, putting on a 10-leg multi. <laughs> so, Sam, we love to go back to the start of people's investing journeys and uh, really hear how it all began. So, um, can you take us back to the very beginning for you? Um, how long have you been investing for and how did it all start? So, I'm 26 now and I started investing just after high school. So, I was 18 and the reason I started investing was it was the first time I had earned some proper money. I had... Um, a job that didn't pay particularly well per hour, but I was working a heck of a lot of hours for it. And I actually have an interesting uh, family connection to stocks in that, and I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal this, um, so I'll, I'll, keep the, I'll keep the name anonymous, but a family member actually was one of the people in the back of the newspaper that used to have like the 10 stocks oh, yeah. um, and had like the month-long <laughs> stock game in 
a particular publication in Australia. Now, he's very possessive <laughs> of his alter ego, um, so I won't reveal it. Um, but I think it rhymes with Doreen Days was the name of this particular person's alter ego. Um, and Doreen Days was this mystical stock picker. Um, and it might have been my dad. So <laughs> I, we used to, I, <laughs> we used to have a bit of, um, bit of fun. I used to help him pick the stocks for the paper. Um, so I was ready to get into the stock market by the time I finished high school. Um, I had that unique background. And as soon as I came into some money, I, I ripped in with a big four bank that did nothing. <laughs> and so then that was 26 now. So that was a few years ago. How would you class your level of investing experience now? Or how, how where, where would you, on a scale of zero to 10, having had that sort of upbringing and stock picking experience or exposure... Um, where would you put yourself on the scale? My stock portfolio is something I check every day. So I'm really familiar with what I have in my portfolio. I love to look at the market movers every day as well. So what's going up a lot and what's going down a lot. In terms of the actual analysis of the stocks and what I'm buying, I'm far from an expert. I don't open annual reports I don't read, um, you know, the big analysis from some of the kind of stock picking experts. What I do is I listen to a lot of podcasts, such as Equity Mates and you know, lots of YouTube videos. And I like to hear how people get to their conclusions with stocks. But a lot of why I pick a stock is my friends. Uh, we have a really, really active um, WhatsApp group of mates who who like to play around in the stock market and it's a really great place to share ideas and share wins and losses and it's kind of normalized stuffing up which is really great and i think a really important part of investing so if if two friends come to the group with conviction over a stock there's a high chance i'll put some money into it interesting yeah. so they don't need to and and then do you do any follow-up research on that or is it just a matter of uh the boys are pretty keen on this one. Let's go all in. It depends how much money I want to put behind it. Um, <laughs> you know, I've got like certain thresholds I've made in my head of what a what a substantial investment is and what, what a kind of a bit of a flutter is. And it also depends on the sector. So one of the one of the guys came a couple of months ago with a stock pick about computer chips, saying that there's a computer chip shortage and we have to get in to this type of stuff. I, I didn't buy it. So that's when I did my own research and had a look and that kind of th stuff. But if somebody comes and says there's this great lithium battery stock, that's that's an area I really love and I really know um, my way around. So I'll, I'll blindly just ask for the three letters and go for it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And it'll be their fault if, if it loses. <laughs> so Sam, you said you check your stock portfolio every day. How how do you uh, how does yeah. that I guess affect your behavior and maybe your mental health? Like, is that is that something that you you think is a, a habit you want to keep doing? I see it as so. I, I very very rarely sell a stock within the first twelve months of buying it. So I'm not checking to buy or sell. I'm not checking as a trader. Really, I'm checking just to try and learn as much as I can and try and identify like, okay, there's all of this stuff happening in the news. You know, I read the news for a living. So I'm constantly reading about 
trends financially, but also, you know, environmental trends or technological trends. And I'm really interested to see if that's reflected in stocks or not. I love when, you know, the US Fed comes out with a report on unemployment in the States. And I'll read it in bed at 6am when I'm getting my head around the news for the day. And then I'm keen to see what happens when the markets open to see if that news actually filters through to how people are feeling about stocks in Australia. Mm-hmm. So Sam, we always like to understand the motivations behind people investing. So why do you invest? To be perfectly frank, I think I'm so keen on investing because I feel like property is so far away from what I can achieve. I feel so left behind by the property market. You know, I I've kind of resigned to renting for the foreseeable future. And so stocks seems to be the next best option for the way that I can make my money work for me. And I am frustrated by seeing money in my bank account that doesn't grow. I have the approach that at such a young age, mid-20s, even if there's a terrible recession and crisis and I lose a lot of value in my portfolio, I probably can ride it out until the inevitable uptick that comes after that type of stuff as well. As long as I don't panic and sell everything, it's really a matter of sitting tight. So I want to, uh, my motivation is to take advantage of my age and to let that kind of portfolio just grow and grow and grow, knowing that there's probably going to be some really shitty times, but that I can ride through it if I don't panic. Yeah, I love to hear that. I think it's such a young age as well. If if and when the market does tank, it's it should we should take the the view and approach that that's an awesome opportunity for us to actually get into the market at uh, at levels that over the last few years we perhaps might not have been able to do so. And it's a great buying opportunity if you do have such a long term horizon. But I think your your approach around housing is exactly how I feel, and I know Ren as well. You know, we, we both want to own houses as at, at some stage. But, you know, feeling that pressure to do so now and, and going to huge amounts of debt to do so and have to save that 10, 20% deposit. And it's just, um, it's it feels out of reach, but you're right, building wealth through the stock market, um, it's so much easier. It's the greatest wealth creating machine in history. So, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah. And it's a real, I, I always feel very lucky to be able to invest in some really interesting technology and and I kind of feel like it should be more exclusive than it is. And the fact that there's this free market that we can literally say, I think this particular type of technology or this particular drug or this particular financial idea is really great. I'm going to put some money behind it. I feel a lot of gratitude for that. That's a really fortunate position that we're all in. We can all do that. I mean, we have to pay the market rate, but we can all do that. Mm-hmm. So, Sam, on that theme of the stock market being a great wealth creator, we love to hear the stories of people's best investments um, and, you know, how you found them and, um, you know, all all of that. So, uh, can you tell us the story of your best investment? Only if you ask me about my worst one as well after because we've got to be cool. Thanks. (laughs) My best investment to date is something I currently hold and that's Vulcan Energy. Um, I got in really, really early with Vulcan um, and have happily ridden that wave up and up and up. I'm really heavily invested in lithium and electric vehicle attached stocks. I 
am I'm a very big um, advocate and believer of, for climate change, and I've done a lot of my journalism has been about climate, and the Daily Oz focuses a lot on climate news, and that's really important to us. And as a result of reading so much and being kind of a journalist in that space, I've identified just how inevitable the move to electric vehicles for everybody um, is going to be. I hear people who aren't particularly environmentally conscious say my next car is going to be an electric vehicle. And that to me just indicates a massive amount of demand. So uh, Vulcan has been a really good stock for that. The other big win I had was Zero. Um, I invested in Zero at about $12 um, and then panicked and sold when it was about 70 or 80, which was still an amazing result, but God, I wish I held on. So I've had some really great wins. <laughs> That's epic. I assume then you're in on Tesla. I'm not. Ah, interesting. So yeah. I like to I like to approach it as I want to be buying the stocks that Tesla will need to do their thing. Yeah, yeah. You want to go um, picks and shovels. Yeah, I'm scared of Tesla. I'm scared of Tesla because I find Elon Musk just to be so volatile that do you remember um do you remember the Coney affair? Yeah, yeah. Coney yeah. 2012. So I kind yeah. of I always for some reason I always think about Coney when I think about Tesla because it's this movement that was just so it grabs it grabs everyone. Everyone is infatuated by this, but a volatile founder who could go and run around naked on the street could actually <laughs> bring the whole company down relatively quickly. And I just, I'm freaked out by Elon. I genuinely am freaked out by Elon. Yeah, no, it's a fair call. I think he's one of the greatest salesmen going around at the moment. And no doubt, he's no doubt. incredibly, incredibly intelligent. But yeah, um, he has a pretty powerful Twitter account and, and yeah. has the ability to move Bitcoin. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm investing in the things that, that Tesla needs to, to run. Yeah, no, fair, fair play. So then off the back of that, what has been your worst investment? I hope you're sitting down. So there's a stock called Resap, R-E-S-A-P-P, that popped up in a WhatsApp group and it was a app on your mobile phone that could diagnose respiratory conditions through the mm. microphone. <laughs> Why are you laughing already? It just <laughs> doesn't sound legit. <laughs> oh, come on, man. It sounds so legit. So, I, th- I saw Di- it and diagnosed I... Diagnosed th- through the microphone. Yeah, because you cough and there's noises and... Right, right, yeah. Med tech and... Ener- I don't know. Dude, obviously now we can sit here and laugh. Idiots. So, yeah, I thought that was a great idea. And so, I, I put some money behind it. And I remember the moment reading a market announcement that came out that said, actually, it doesn't work. Like it properly just does not work. Um, And so I still have it and I still keep it as the reminder in my portfolio that if it's too good to be true and you think you've found something that nobody else has found, you're probably not correct. I'm determined to never sell it. I want to keep it there. I think it's a couple of cents at the moment. I just want to hold on to it. I've lost, I've lost quite a bit of money on it and it's a really great reminder of, you know, I, I'm really glad you guys ask about the losses because it's so important to normalize them and to, to be okay with the fact that, you know, it doesn't, it's not always the big success stories. 
um, and I will not be selling ResApp and don't cough into your microphone because it will just tell you you've got a cough. <laughs> I'm really intrigued by that. Like it, that, that's quite a, I mean, I wouldn't say it, it is a cognitive bias in some way that you're deciding to hold on to that loss. Is it purely just so you see it sitting in your brokerage account and you, to remind yourself that these things do happen? Like what, why, why unnecessarily hold on to that? It's it's to remind myself that these things do happen and and to it it feels like part of the invest my investment journey. It feels like a little tattoo on my investment journey that I kind of accumulate as I grow. I've got these little scars and these little mementos of different parts of how I decided what to invest in. To be perfectly honest though, I mean when COVID first started, I was like, Oh my god, I've hit the jackpot. I mean everyone's gonna have respiratory conditions and I've got a stock where you can diagnose COVID via a microphone. Um, <laughs> Look, little did you know. That little that did I know. <laughs> no. um, we, we've all but got maybe they've stocks, got some though. big pivot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of traction out of my first investment where I managed to lose all my money and I can't have it sitting in my brokerage account anymore. So uh, you're doing a little bit better than me, you know. In our book, Bryce shared uh, shared how he lost a lot of money on a, a hot stock tip from a mate. Uh, I feel like it's a rite of passage that you you have that one loss and that sticks with you for a long time. Totally, totally a rite of passage, and um, I think actually a benefit, a net benefit to your investing and to the way that you look at stocks is to have if you if you're too confident and you've had too many wins. Um, then maybe the loss down the road is going to be of greater value than the loss that you make in your first couple of stocks. So, Sam, looking back, before we have a bit of a chat about the Daily Oz and, and what you're investing in today, looking back, is there anything that you wish you knew before you actually started? I wish I could, I still to this day wish that I could understand a company's reporting better than I do. Um, I don't understand when a company like Zip comes out and says we've had this much growth in the last financial year, why it goes down on that day. Um, and I understand at like a really top level, it's because the market expected bigger growth. But I don't understand how that how the value of the company can rocket down when they've got growth. It just seems counterintuitive to me. So I've still got a lot to learn there. I've still got a lot to learn around. Um, even now as a founder myself, you know, how do you value a company that doesn't make money? Um, you know, we've, we've read so much about Afterpay and it's never been profitable. Well, how do you assign value to, to that type of stuff? So um, that's why I said right at the beginning, I'm not an expert in this stuff and I'm far from it is because I feel like I'm missing a whole level of actual financial fundamentals. I've never done commerce at university i've never done economics or anything I, I don't get that middle layer well there's no trick i think when it comes to wider stocks uh fall on an, a, a reporting day when they're pumping out 300 percent growth and it was supposed to be 310 percent growth it really is the market just being irrational and saying that we wanted it to be 310 it's not so you're shit but like <laughs> to your point and we often talk about this we often talk about this on the show it's like the, the company hasn't changed. The fundamentals underneath it haven't changed. It right. is growing. So really forget the fact that it is falling on that day and just 
stick with it. If your investment thesis hasn't changed, then forget that noise really is is the main thing to consider when that stuff happens. Just so we don't get uh, a heap of messages from people that work in finance, there is a reason why it happens. It's just a very industry-centric reason. It's because if growth rates aren't as high as you expect, it changes the outcome of a discounted cash flow. But to, right. to I think the bigger point is it's still a great business, whether it's growing at 300% or 320%. And I think the the other good thing is just everyday people is we can be long-term in our investing. You know, uh, Sam, you and I are in our 20s. Bryce is in his 30s, a little bit older. Uh, not uh, Unfortunately not for him, not wiser. But, um, you know, we've got, we've got time <laughs> on our side. And these investment banks and these funds don't. You know, they've got, they got careers they're trying to build. They've got investors they're trying to retain. They've got to front up every quarter and every year and... You know, a company that's great but might take a little bit longer to reach where they're going is fine for us. But for the industry, for a lot of the industry, that's not fine. And that's that's the one advantage you have as a as a retail investor. Totally. So before we jump into discussion around the Daily Oz, uh, we're just going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, Sam, you run a startup yourself, The Daily Oz. If uh, our audience haven't heard about it, go and check it out on Instagram, doing a phenomenal job in bringing the news to uh, younger Australians and capturing that audience. And it's certainly amazing what you have built in what feels like a very short period of time in the life cycle of a business. So, congratulations. Um, how, how has investing helped you in the world of business, do you think, particularly when it comes to like startup life and, and building your own team and thinking about strategy and and uh what you're doing at the moment it's really helped given me a backbone of understanding growth potential and how to articulate growth potential to investors and to customers and followers and and how to build in growth potential to the image of a business um nobody wants to buy into something and by buy-in i mean either follow or um, or invest financially into something that they feel like is peaking, that they feel like is they've missed the boat. So we always um, try and give a sense, and it's it's authentic that we're just getting started, and that you know it's that sense of the underdog and the sense of the high growth potential that I feel like I've really captured in the language of the Daily Oz and Zara, and I talk about it a lot. From a slightly wider perspective, I spent two years as a corporate lawyer before doing the Daily Oz, and that really helped with things like a capital raise and how to negotiate through a shareholders agreement and the kind of how to register a business with ASIC. All of that stuff has really, uh, my, my kind of market knowledge has really helped there. And as we grow, it's going to be more about diversifying and diversifying investments. And that theory in my stock portfolio is transferring over to the business. So, you know, whether it's about making a new channel or finding a new stream, I mean, we just started the Daily Oz Sport. That's a, that's a diversification of the portfolio. 
So definitely the market and stock fundamentals are transferring over and they're really important. So Sam, turning that around then, has your experience starting and growing a business changed how you approach investing in other companies? I think my bullshit meter is a little bit better and that I can identify, you know, if it smells and tastes and looks too good, it's probably there's something doing. Um, it's really hard to make businesses grow. Um, it's, you know, there's whatever sector you're in, there's intense competition, there's intense scrutiny on your value and your worth, but also you can so quickly lose trust and lose the audience and all that kind of stuff. So I'm much more wary, I think, through starting my own thing. I'm much more wary of good deals and good mm. tips from the boys mm-hmm. um, and whether they're perhaps not not great because as a business owner, you know, we're in media. Um, so one defamatory comment could bring us down. So we have to be really careful and wary of that and things can change. So, so at The Daily Oz, you cover a lot of business and finance stories amongst just broader news as well. and Lots, yeah. Yeah. And, and so how do you approach covering those through the lens of a young Australian audience? So is there a different approach that you're taking to perhaps traditional financial media? How do you think through that presentation, branding, even messaging? What, what, yeah, how are you thinking through that? So our key methodology at The Daily Oz is to make sure that you've got the fundamentals to understand the story. So we'll never do a story about interest rates dropping or unemployment rates or a particular stock or when we covered GameStop and all that stuff. We'll never do a story without making sure we clearly articulate the definitions and clearly articulate what exactly is going on beyond just the headlines of the day. So what we've found with the financial coverage is that A, it always does really well in terms of the actual analytics of social media. So people are obviously really interested in it, but they share it because they're helping a friend understand what's going on. And that for us is the most important value we can bring. You guys are you guys have a much better understanding of finance than we do. I mean, we're that's not our, our skill. But our skill is coming in on that ground level and saying, I don't have a stock stock portfolio, but I really want to understand what's going on. Um, our, our one of our best pieces in the last twelve months, the headline was pretend we're Margot Robbie in a bathtub and let us explain GameStop to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it did really well because it normalized not knowing what the hell was happening. Uh, yeah. But it did so in a way that the audience doesn't feel dumb. They don't feel like they've missed a really important lesson at school. It's, uh, it's totally fine to not know that stuff. Um, and it's actually, unless you seek it out, it's pretty hard to find it. So we try and bring that to finance. Yeah. So in a previous conversation, you mentioned that in your day job, you'd have to cover a lot of business stories but culturally our financial literacy isn't as high as our news literacy what do you mean by that one of the things we talk about with news literacy is how do we get to a point where every young australian is walking into a voting booth and knowing who they're voting for and why they're voting for them now that doesn't mean that we're telling them who to vote for it means that they are reaching that conclusion by themselves That for us is news literacy. Now, if we transfer that into a financial context, if you're buying a stock or if you're buying a house or if you're entering, if you're changing superannuation funds or any sort of financial move you make, 
we want to fill in the why. Why are you making that move? Now, we'd never tell you which move to make. It's about let's think through the base 10% of terms and the base 10% of ideas that are really going to help you make your own decisions. That for us is literacy. Uh, And as I said before, when so many others around the world try and tackle that, it can come across as patronizing. Um, We get a lot of feedback from the audience saying, I've tried to look up tutorials on the federal budget um, and what a federal budget is. And they've talked to me like I'm in year seven and I want to understand why monetary policy works in the way it does, but I don't want to be sworn at or I don't want to be given a diagram that's stick drawings. You want to be talked to like an adult. Um, And so that for us really encapsulates our strategy there with financial literacy. I mean, the budget's a great example. The budget affects everyone, Mm -hmm. but it's the first time. This year was the first time that a youth publication had (laughs) representation in Canberra in the budget room that wasn't Triple J. So Triple J, because they're the ABC, they've always had access, but we were in the budget lockup. Um, pouring over the budget papers so that at 7.30 or 7.55, whenever it came out, we could give analysis to our audience. And that was the first time that youth have actually been given a seat at the table. Yeah. Wow. And that's really important. Wow. that's that, I, I think that's a pretty big milestone in terms of your journey uh, at the Daily Oz in terms of you know being considered by the government uh, in the same in the same realm as the ABC and the you know the the major papers. How, how did the other journos in the budget lockup uh, approach you guys? Was there a bit of uh, you know we're real journalists and you guys are social media, or was it all pretty amicable? We we cop that all the time, and it's part of that underdog story that we've embraced. You know, we often say that we're like a footy team that's down a hundred points um, at halftime. No one is expecting us to do anything proper or serious. Um, somebody came up to our journalist in the budget lockup and said, are you guys that TikTok mob? And that's exactly how we want to be placed because that for us is a reflection of how young people are seen by traditional media in Australia. Young people are seen as lazy and they don't really care about the world around them. They're seen as disengaged. They don't buy newspapers, so therefore they don't care about the news. When in fact... We know that young people are awesome and young people care a lot about their world. They care a lot about their money. They care a lot about their environment, their social justice ideals. Um, They just need media that's designed for them. So like the more that traditional media think that we're not a threat um, and that we're not coming to get them and get their audiences, the better. We're, We're growing really quickly. And, you know, every time we overtake a traditional news player on Instagram, we give ourselves a little pat on the back that we're <laughs> climbing because, I mean, 200,000 people, 200,000 people want the news in a particular way that traditional media isn't giving them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like there wouldn't be too many more news organisations for you guys to overtake. I feel like you'd be close to top of the heap on, on socials. There's a, big, there's a big kind of 250,000 to 300,000 club. Okay. Um, the Channel 9s, the Channel 7s. A couple of the big broadcasters all have social media around that that size. The I think the next one in our grasp is the Sydney Morning Herald is on about two hundred and twenty five thousand. So we're we're coming to get the Herald, nice. which is quite fun. <laughs> but yeah, we're I mean we're we've now the biggest youth publisher on Instagram. 
So we've overtaken the likes of Triple J Hack and um, and Pedestrian and all those guys. But the important thing to remember and to, to concede as well is that they've got a lot of other touch points with their audience. You know, Triple J Hack have a radio station so yeah. and we don't have that so <laughs> it's not all about instagram yeah yeah yes it's not all about instagram but um you know there's five million australians under 35 on instagram and it's a way that people are getting their news the latest digital news survey shows that an increasing number of people are getting their news from social media first not social media second and they're not actually happy with having to link out to another website from social media they don't want to lose the feed so we're going to meet them where they're at. Well, Sam, I am conscious of time and we have taken uh, a fair bit of yours this morning. So very much appreciate it. Before we finish, just with a question around how you're investing today, given that you're so in the news at the moment and uh, we love finance and, and business, is are there any stories that are particularly really interesting you at the moment or perhaps some hidden ones that we wouldn't otherwise be no- that wouldn't otherwise know about? Yeah, love to hear your hot tips. When President Biden came out and said that he wants half of all vehicles in the US to be electric by 2030, which is in eight years and three months, that should really ring alarm bells for everybody who isn't invested in clean energy, lithium, um, graphite, electric vehicles. I mean, it's, it's, it's seemingly inevitable. I mean, right at the top of this conversation, we talked about gambling. Now, this is as sure of a bet as anything in my mind. So that's a big story that pops up in the news a lot. Then the other stories to think about from an Australian context is uh, I think the buy now, pay later space is one to watch, not from a perspective of jumping in and investing, but really following the relationship that the buy now, pay later services have with the financial regulators. And it seems with the news cycle, whenever we hear from ASIC, it seems like they've got different kind of focuses uh, and those focuses might last for 18, 24 months, and then they kind of shift their focus. At the moment, the focus is clearly the buy now, pay later space. Um, and it'll be really fascinating to watch what happens. And I think as a buy now, pay later stockholder, you have a responsibility to be reading the news more than holders of other different stocks. That That's a really fast moving space. Otherwise, I think the computer chip shortage is a really fascinating space to watch. We did a, One of the journalists brought that to the table a couple of weeks ago and said, I really want to do a story on this. And it did incredibly well on our Instagram. And that was a sign that that's, that's a really interesting piece. And then I think Glasgow, the conference in November, is going to influence a lot of the mining stocks, minerals, um, as well as the electric vehicle space. So keep an eye out for our coverage of Glasgow and, and that's going to be a massive moment in the world's relationship to climate change. So Sam, uh, to close it out, you know, you've mentioned a number of, uh, I guess, themes or big stories there that you're, you're watching um, and I, I guess to tie it back to investing to close this conversation out, how do you then use uh, some of those stories that you're watching or that are interesting you, uh, how do they inform your investing decisions? I try and listen as much as possible to the world around me, not just in the news. So you have to keep your understanding of stocks grounded in in the real world. And that's why I invested in Zero right at the beginning is because I kept hearing of small businesses who are using Zero as their billing and accounting software and were totally fine with the recurring subscription model. 
And I just kept hearing it up, you know, pop up again and again and again. The same thing with the electric vehicles, as we've discussed, but it's about listening for the trends amongst your friend group and amongst your, not just your social media audience in our case, but but it, like really understanding, okay, so what, what are people getting um, anxious about and they're wanting to spend money on? So, for example, I've been hearing a lot of people say, I know I'm not going overseas for a while now and that's why I'm taking better care of myself and, you know, buying nice beauty products. So I've been watching Adore Beauty um, and I think that's a really interesting business um, and human behavior indicates that when we can't do really luxury stuff, we like to have the little luxuries. So we like to buy ourselves a nice necklace or a nice meal or that kind of thing. So, you know, stocks like that, stocks like Levisa, which do like, you know, relatively affordable jewelry. It's fascinating stuff because that's how we're going to treat ourselves when we can't go overseas. Mm. Well, Sam, it's been fascinating speaking with, with you today. Very much appreciate your time, not only sharing the journey of the Daily Oz, but the journey of your investing as well. Um, no doubt that plenty of people in the community can relate to your story of being in WhatsApp groups, throwing around stock picks and talking <laughs> thematics. I mean, we have plenty going on on our side as well. So as we said at the start, what you're doing with the Daily Oz is truly inspiring. So congratulations and, and all the best. And we very much appreciate you coming on. It's been uh, it's been a, a childhood dream to be on Equity Mates. So, um, <laughs> childhood? Pumped. We haven't been going that long. Come <laughs> we on, we've been going for ages. <laughs> I might be thirty, but <laughs> appreciate Thanks, your guys. time. Get started investing is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.